All right, guys, before we start on today's episode, I have a quick announcement. Really excited about this. Starting August 31st, I will be offering you two shows per week. Now, I always do one on a Monday, right? Monday, you always get the show for me, but nothing again to the following Monday. And I'll tell you, I have tons of interviews just waiting to release and a lot of content that I've recorded that I really want to get out to you. And frankly, it's just taking too long. And I have assembled a really, really great team here for my podcast. And we have the capacity now to start offering you more. So starting August 31st, we will be offering you a show not only on Monday, but also on Thursday. So be sure be sure to check that out. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, but you just come here and listen on Mondays because you know that's when we provide the content and the new shows, then please subscribe so you can get notifications when we have our shows on Thursdays and then you don't miss those as well. It's going to be great. There's so much good stuff that I want to share with you and I'm really excited that we now have the capacity and the bandwidth to offer that second show per week. So I'm excited about it. Look for that starting August 31st. All right, guys. Let's do this. Fifty percent of our processes, at least, are completely different than they were ninety days ago. We have pivoted in a huge way. Just you know how we buy, uh, where we're focusing, you know the, the efforts, um, how we're serving our buyers. Uh, we do a lot of wholesaling, uh, flipping as well, but a lot of wholesaling. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate Today. I appreciate it very much. You know that though, if you listen to the show, I say it every time and I mean it every time. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for choosing me and giving me a chance. I appreciate it. Hopefully I live up to your expectations and you subscribe to the channel. You give me a rating and review because that is after all, the currency of, of podcasting is rating and review. So. If you appreciate the show, if you like what you're hearing, if you're getting a lot out of it and you take one second to just go give me a rating and review right now, man, you can't do anything more for me. I can't ask any more of you. So that would be great. Uh, guys, I have a great show for you today. I have someone on who is a fantastic real estate investor, very smart, very savvy, uh, very willing to move with the cheese, as they say, change the approach to make sure that he is positioning himself to be successful and profitable. And by the way, ethical along the way and a really, really good guy. And he actually surprised me during the show uh, with a revelation about, his business that I didn't even know. So stay tuned for that because it's pretty awesome. It, it literally is the first time I've ever heard a real estate investor say they had done this and it's brilliant. So uh, hopefully that's enough of a teaser. And this guy also uh, is someone that I've known for a little while. We affectionately, uh, among the crowd that we run in, we affectionately call him Superman uh, because he looks like Superman. He's built like Superman and he happens to be about as nice a guy as Superman. So uh, cool dude all the way around. And uh, his name is Darren Smith. And Darren is a, a residential and commercial real estate investor in in multiple markets across the country. After being in the Army and working in the computer industry, he tried his hand in real estate, but unfortunately lost his earnings and uh, everything else basically in the housing crash, just, just lost it. And uh, that experience took Darren out of real estate for a few years, but the love for the industry drew him back. Working as an assistant to a wholesaler at first, Darren learned a great deal and started his own business in Colorado. A, uh, a week before he was laid off from 
from his computer job, Darren joined the Seven Figure Flipping Group, which I've talked about on this podcast before. It's a mastermind. Uh, through the help of this community, Darren is able to run his Colorado business remotely while living in Pennsylvania. He now attributes all of his success uh, to his 11 hardworking and dedicated teammates. The culture, reputation, and process that they have developed had allowed him to not only double their business every year, but also expand it to new markets. And you're going to see in this podcast, Darren is the real deal. He's really out there just crushing it and doing it all in a way that he can feel good about himself and look at himself in the mirror because he's a good guy running a great business with a great reputation and uh, a very smart real estate investor to boot. So without any further ado, I give you Darren Smith. All right, Darren, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you taking the time for this, man. My pleasure, Mike. Good to be here. Awesome. Good. Well, continuing on the theme, we've we've had some folks on that I know, uh, I consider friends. I've known Darren now. Boy, it's going on five years, I think. It's 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 been a while, and uh, we've both had our businesses have had ebbs and flows, and and we've gone through our challenges and had success. I really want to hear the journey because I I just because I know you, I I happen to know that you've you know you've pivoted, you've done some things differently, and and made some modifications to try to kind of increase the profits, increase the success, and and kind of. Uh, bypass some of the issues. So um, you have a very cool story, and I want to go. I want to dive into that. But let's go back to maybe before real estate. What were you doing, and what got you into real estate? Why Why did you choose real estate to invest in? What got me into real estate was honestly just exposure to somebody else who was in it. I was in the, the service for uh, five and a half years, and then got out and continued doing computers, uh, working uh, you know for the government. And I sat next to a guy and he was just really passionate about it. He got into, he was into real estate. He did some flips, owned some multifamily in a downtown Baltimore area. And that was the bug. I kind of followed him around just a little bit, started buying every book I could possibly get my hands on. And I worked <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, nights in downtime and I really dove into it. Nice. So how, how long ago was that? When did you kind of get that bug? When was the first time you said, I kind of like this, I might want to pursue it? That was back in 2003 when I got out of the army and I went uh, and bought my first, uh, actually my boss at the time, my direct manager was a real estate agent and found me a bank owned property and put an offer in on it and got it and turned that into a live in flip, uh, which unfortunately lasted two years, but fortunately that was the rise up. So it just made a little bit more money. It worked out. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did that way back then. Uh, you know, we're almost, we're 17 years removed from that. Any ups and downs at all in, in that time? <laughs> Anything <laughs> happened that was interesting? So uh, when did you first like go for it? Like I, I kind of, I know this story, but why don't you tell the folks like, when did you first really go, okay, I'm, I'm doing this full force. I'm going for it. Sure. And there, there would really be two instances of that because to okay. say there's been ups and downs is uh, definitely an understatement. I was really uh, kind of going all in back in the last run up. I did a couple of flips. Uh, I got into uh, owning a, a couple dozen trailers in a mobile home park, trying to do that remotely. And a uh, really bad idea when you're just learning to try and do something where you have to get a plane uh, ride to do something. Yeah. And so I made a bunch of money in the last kind of rise, but I lost you know, all that probably in, in, in a bit more uh, in the crash after that. I was in computers. Fortunately, I had a full-time, you know, good paying job. So after that, I went back and kind of thought, oh, maybe I should stick with that, do the, do the conventional thing. Got my master's, uh, was kind of working my way up through those ranks. And, um, but I just got the bug again. I did back in around like maybe 2012. I thought, you know, I miss it. 
and I went uh, and I started applying to every wholesaler's website and just signing up for their buyers list. And one in town in York, Pennsylvania at the time uh, reached out to me. And I basically, long story short, I became his assistant and just did every menial task he could possibly uh, come up with and learned a lot through the process. About a year and a half later, moved to Colorado, still doing computers. Uh, my wife's uh, career took us out there and loved it. And uh, that was when I really dove in full time. My computer job allowed me to do that a lot. And I took it and ran with it. I started doing uh, flips on my own, started my own company, uh, and then wholesaling from there. So first time I did it, had success, crashed and burned. Um, and then even since then, since uh, you know, I started my own company back in 2014, uh, have had many ups and downs, but never where I thought I wasn't going to keep doing it, keep trying. It was always full speed ahead from there. Right. So if you could share with, let's, let's go into some painful memories. What's the lowest low you've experienced since 2014 when you started your own, your own, I think you said 2014, you started your own company. What was, what's the worst point you've been through where you said you never questioned whether or not you were going to be successful, but where was it where it was like, well, this is really getting challenging. What, what was going on? Yeah, that, that would have been, um, I think around 2017, uh, that the fall of that year, I had hired three really good people about a year prior to that. And we were doing okay. Um, you know, we were doing some deals. They were really smart, good people. But we had a run that summer because of my lack of experience and just knowing, knowing what I was doing and being, being the, the coach that I needed to be, the team leader. Uh, we had about a 10-week stretch with no deals, and I was spending about 20000 a month. Um, long story short, I got to October that year, and I had – no money, um, and I had about ten thousand left on my credit card. That I thought, you know what, this uh, I got to make this work. And I got a coach, uh, a business coach, actually, nothing to do with real estate. He'd never done real estate, and he said, "Look, you got to you got to lay everybody off. You got to take this back over." And that's what I did. And in one week, I went from no money in the bank, no deals in ten weeks, maxed out my credit card to do another ten thousand dollars worth of postcards uh, beginning of October. That next month in November, I closed nine deals with me doing everything, you know, just working my butt off, pulled it back together, and then slowly hired back from there as opposed to three people at once like I did the last time uh, and coached and kind of grew it much more organically after that. But yeah, that was that was a really uh, a rough time for sure. Yeah, it's like flying too close to the sun, right? Like you, you could have burned up, but you didn't. So, but you know what? That's the thing. Like sometimes people will say like, well, I don't want to invest in real estate. It's risky. Like, like worst case you, you would, you change your approach. And I'm not saying things can't go poorly. They can, right? They did. Um, and had you kept just pushing blindly and stubbornly in the same direction with the same approach, you, you might've, you know, you might've <laughs> crapped out a little bit, but you didn't, you For changed. Sure. And I think it's a good metaphor or a good, um, parallel to draw to what's happening right now. And it's not, you know, necessarily devastating, but some people are experiencing some issues in their business because, you know, COVID-19 quarantine, like I, I can't get out and do everything I need to do. And I talk about this a lot, Darren, and I know you're one guy who completely understands this is you have to assess what's going on and, and make changes accordingly. Like look at what is going on in your world and what's working and what's not. And don't, don't stubbornly stick to whatever it is you thought you were going to do. Like you can change and you can alter things. And that, that goes for, you know, I work a nine to five. I want to be a real estate investor. It's like at some point something has to change or you'll keep going. And if you're going down and and you keep doing what you're doing, you will continue to go down. If you're unhappy and you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to continue to be happy. And uh, honestly, the other way is true too. If you're going up, 
keep doing what you're doing. Like it's working. You know what I mean? Like don't change just for the sake of change. But a lot of times I think people are afraid to change. It's like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Things aren't working out. You're miserable, whatever the case may be. You change that around. So what have you done differently? I know you said you, you hired responsibly and a little slower, but anything else going on in your business or just the way that you run your business that's different from before? 100%. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself there. I had a conversation just this afternoon with a realtor that we've been working with for almost a year now trying to, to have a type of partnership there. And first off, we've changed with that. Uh, we, we've parted ways and I've hired another real estate agent since then. So that you, know, you got to pivot and, and go with what, what works for people. But the one thing I told her on that call was, I would say at least 50% of our processes um, and we're you know, doing substantial deals. I mean, we did about 50 last year and, and um, you know, better than that this year. 50% of our processes at least are completely different than they were 90 days ago. We have pivoted in a huge way just, you know, how we buy, uh, where we're focusing, you know, the, the efforts, um, how we're serving our buyers. Uh, we do a lot of wholesaling, uh, flipping as well, but a lot of wholesaling. Um, one perfect example of that is, you know, we didn't we didn't have to focus on our buyers much before. Not that we wouldn't do everything we possibly could in the in a deal and serve them in every way, but not going that extra mile outside of that, giving them information, giving them uh, lenders, you know, the, the extra things they need to really make their business successful. Uh, and that's helped immensely. I know there have been several deals that we've closed just in the past two months that would not have happened had we not pivoted and educated our buyers more, put on podcasts, reached out to lenders, uh, private lenders, hard money lenders in the area, and connected them and made those connections for those deals that would have fallen out. So we, we pivoted in a lot of ways um, to, to grow through this. And whatever change, uh, you know, whatever comes out of this in the end, uh, a lot of those are going to stick and make us a better company in the long term. So these are changes that you've made just recently, like the way that you're doing these things. That's super smart. One thing I definitely will will not do is act like I'm I'm doing everything perfectly. And one area where there's a there's just a, a glaring omission or a glaring issue in my company is we built a buyers list. We have a great strong buyers list, and we do a lot of deals, but we don't really do a lot extra above and beyond. You know, we treat that buyer's list almost like a little bit like an auction house. Like we throw something out, we throw meat into the pen and we let the lions fight over it. And whoever is the strongest lion or, you know, correlate to money, whoever has the high off, highest offer gets the deal. And we don't do a lot more than that to to service them. And and I, I do think that that's something, and you saying it is bubbling it back up to the top of my head. I do think that's something that we're needing to do. We're lacking in. And I think that we could have an even stronger business if we if we focused more on there are customers, right? That's the customer. And sometimes, especially when you start cranking up the the volume, you start feeling like I, I don't need to do any, you know, I'm doing enough for them. I'm finding them deals. But the reality is it's a people business and we're in a time where it's a little bit tough. And just providing them hard money lenders or other lending options or you know, even if you know good contractors, like just giving out that information can definitely change things for the better with your relationships for sure. And and frankly, if someone is trying to to close on something and they just don't even know private lenders or not private lenders, but uh, hard money lenders, like if you can turn them on to those, that could be all the difference in the world. Now they're making offers on your properties where before they didn't think they had the money and had didn't have the resources. So that's huge, man. It's, people forget sometimes. I'm guilty every once in a while. If, this is a people business. Like this is about helping people. And it's not just the homeowners who we're helping, right? It's the, it's the buyers and, and the business, the B2B stuff that we're doing. You're still helping people. 
It is. Uh, one thing I've heard from many people is, what are you going to do when the market shifts? What are you going to do when you know it's harder? Uh, you can't find buyers for your homes. And my thought is, the market is is a you know if it's, if it's a score from one to a hundred, it's either going to be really hard to buy homes and very easy to sell them, or it's going to be the opposite. It's going to be really easy to, to to sell them and hard to buy them. If I got that right. And so right now we've been we've had to focus all of our efforts on sellers last couple of years because it's been so hard to buy homes, and that's changing. I mean, if you go back to you know 2010. It was the opposite. And where did you have to put most of your effort on finding that end buyer and servicing that customer? And so we've just been really lax at uh, serving them. And, and we've changed that in a big way. And I think that's going to help us a lot going forward. Just becoming, first off, that one deal, but then becoming known in that community is, hey, we're the people that we don't just throw, like you said, the meat to the to the trough. Um, you know, we, we actually cook the meal for them and we can tell them, you know, where to go to get the utensils and whatever they need to get that deal done and make it happen. So, I mean, it's so smart, right? You're, you're helping your clients buy from you basically. I mean, you're helping them. It's, you're making the process easier for them. Yeah, that, dude, it's, you said something there. First of all, when the, the people who say, well, what are you going to do when the market shifts? Are those investors that are asking you that or just people that you know? It's both, um, but yeah, mostly just people that I know yeah, that ask me that. I like, figured, this yeah. is going to end. That's what I figured because when I get, I always get asked that question too. Like, what are you going to do in the market shifts? Like, what are you going to do? It's like, well, I'm going to adjust. I'm going to adapt. Like, th- this all hap- This all existed prior to this market. Like, it wasn't like real estate investing was invented in this market. Like, it, it, it's always existed, but you just have to change. Like you said, it, it, if it gets harder to sell, it'll get easier to buy. If it's harder to buy or he's just, uh, I don't know, I'm doing the same thing you did. You said yeah. it right, I didn't. But basically, you 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 just, you focus on where you are in the market. The, the key is knowing where you are and being very aware and being very diligent about watching the market. And I think, you know, you and I, we, we kind of skimmed around it, but we met in a mastermind. We met in the seven-figure flipping group. And the one of the great things about being part of a mastermind and networking with other real estate investors from all over the country is you get a good pulse of what's happening. Even if you're the kind of person where you're like, ah, I'm kind of lazy. I don't like really paying attention. You almost can just put that out to the, like, guys, what are you seeing? Where are we at? What market cycle are we in? And you couldn't get a pulse of the entire country by being part of a group like that. And that's, that's a great thing. So knowing where you are in the market cycle and then adjusting your approach accordingly, that keeps you a little bit insulated from the ups and downs of the market, so to speak, right? You just, you're not insulated. You're just adapting to it. But if you know what's happening, you can adapt. So I think adaptation and being aware of what's happening in not only in your market, but in your business is one of the reasons why I wanted you on this this show, because I know that you are someone who absolutely will make changes to affect their success level. And I, I love that, man. I love the way you're running your business now. So if I heard you right, you're doing flips and you're doing some wholesaling. Are you primary one side or the other, or is it pretty split? It's it's about 90-10 wholesaling to flipping. Okay. So mostly wholesaling. Why? Why are you going heavier in that direction? What about that is appealing or what, you know, from a business standpoint, why are you doing that? I'm not one who is able to multitask uh, as, as well as others. And so, especially when I first started this, I started on the flipping. I did three flips the first year that I started back in 2014. And there's so many pieces that have to be managed uh, in that. And I won't explain them all. If, uh, I'm sure most of your, your listeners know what those are. And what I was realizing was 
finding deals in itself was super challenging, uh, you know, and continued to be and, and still continues to this day. And I thought, you know, me being a one man show, if I can focus on that one thing and get really good at that one thing, um, that's where I found people have had success in life. You know, specialists make more money than generalists. Yeah. And so me being not a good multitasker, not the most organized person when it comes to paperwork and all the things that go together, that was where I, I really focused. And it wasn't until uh, later on that I started dipping my toe back into flipping. I think we did maybe four or five last year, something like that, um, where I have I had a good enough team around me managing so many of those pieces that um, I felt comfortable doing that. Uh, so that was it. And then also we got you know, because I focused on that, I did get really good at it. I, I did get a, a massive buyer's list and, you know, got that reputation as someone who can provide properties. And so, you know, started having real success with that and just, just carried on. Nice. I love that. I totally agree. Uh, wholesaling fits my personality better too. I, I like speed. I, I'm a little bit impatient. I, I don't, you know, plus with flipping for me, at least, and by the way, I'm not trying to down, be hard on flipping. My daughter came to me last year to wanted to invest, and I, I suggested flipping to her. I think it's awesome way to go about it in certain circumstances. But I liked cutting out contractors. I liked cutting out appraisers and all these things that we don't really have to deal with so much as a as a wholesaler. So, where you mentioned finding deals, how are you finding deals nowadays? What what's working for you? Boy, that is a, a constantly evolving uh, answer. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm someone. At one point, we were sending 30, 40,000 postcards a month uh, in years past. Uh, now, I, I don't think we send maybe three or 4,000 a month. We definitely got more into the niche uh, you know, type list, that type of thing. Cold calling has been uh, pretty successful for us. Um, we've been working on that actually just over a year now. And so much more of a long-term type leads, uh, you're going to find that you're going to have some lead sources that are Boom, you get the call, you get the lead, it's under contract that day, you sell it two days later. There's, yep. there's those types. Cold calling is much longer term. I think instead of uh, you know, an average time of a week or less, uh, our contracts on those are, some of them, several months uh, before closing. So that's been one of our sources, and we have uh, four or five full-time call, cold callers uh, in our market um, working pretty well. Web has been still a big source of it. We pay for online leads. Um, we're putting... We slacked on it a bit, but we're putting a ton of resources into our website, into SEO, AdWords, that type of stuff now, and those just seem to be really hot. Um, I will I will caution people though, uh, web especially can eat up a ton of money really quickly, yeah. and so you got to make sure that you are on your game to respond to those leads. Um, in in literally less than sixty seconds, we get to almost all of our leads. And if we go past five minutes, it's a fail. And we actually talk about every single one of those on our call in week. So nice. you got to be able to do that. You got to be able to have a buyer's list to, you know, to sell it if you need to have the financing in place that you, you know, if you're flipping to, to buy it right away. So web is a great source, but definitely got to um, make sure you're able to capitalize on that would be our, our top two. And then referrals. We, we probably, I bet we did four or five referrals last year. So, you, you know, maybe 10% of our business, but man, those can be some great deals and they're free. Referrals um, so from who? Who's referring to you? A lot of them are other investors okay. that we've worked with. So okay. we have a lot of uh, people that we sell houses to. We will also we sell houses to them. We will sell their houses um, when they go, you know, come up for sale, okay. um, or just people we've networked, you know, within the community. Um, and, you know, they friends or family of them. We've yeah. purchased uh, that way as well. Okay, so you mentioned the web, and you guys get on it within like sixty seconds. Who's answering those calls for you? Is it somebody in house? Is it a service? How do you handle those calls? Uh, there's four of us that get a text message. So my lead manager, his assistant, 
my one acquisition manager and myself, we all get the text message. And so 90% of those are handled by my lead manager and his assistant. Um, but we, you know, my acquisition manager and myself, we will absolutely jump on that uh, if need be. And then we rotate weekends through there just to make sure that we have that coverage uh, at all times. So I know in my business, this has kind of been a, a constant like adjustment for us. And I'm curious, this is a little bit of a tangent, but you guys all get the text message. How do you coordinate? How do you communicate? Is it just via text, like who got it so that you don't have three people calling at one time? Or do you just, I don't care if three people call at one time. I want to get there. <laughs> we have a, a Slack channel. And okay. so just whoever sees it first, it just got it. And okay. Then- yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we do too. We have we have the same thing. We have we get an, an email, but this you know as soon as it comes through, somebody just says got it, and then boom, we go. So that you're right. When it comes to PPC or online anything, you're right. It gets very it can get very expensive. I mean, they're great leads. You know, I always say it's the difference between you know if you're if you want to dance with a, a lady, her coming up to you or you going up to her. When she comes up to you, the chances of dancing is a lot higher, and that's kind of what PPC is, right? I mean, they're they're looking for you. They're coming to you saying, hey, I'm interested in selling my house. Those leads cannot be, can't be overstated how important and valuable those leads are. So that's that's awesome. You mentioned you had cold calling and you said it's a longer cycle. Why do you think that is? Like, I'm just, let me do devil's advocate. I, you download a list, you skip trace it, you get the numbers, you hop on the phone, you start calling. Why can't you just start closing deals day one? You got the list, you got the numbers, you're talking to them, just close it day one. What, what's taking so long? I'm being a little facetious. I know why, but I want to... No, uh, great question. Um, because the motivation of people, you are reaching out to them and it takes, we, we have half hour sales, uh, training purely, actually, I'm sorry, 45 minute sales training every single week where we role play, we talk out scenarios, we pivot with, with Corona and we are training with our cold callers constantly because those are hard conversations. You are calling somebody out of the blue, interrupting their day. And to even get past the first 10 seconds of that call, is is monumental challenge and so we track you know amount of time on the phone versus number of answers all that type of stuff just to make sure that we're maintaining that um and so the reason it takes longer is these people they might not be ready to sell you're having to talk to them and go we we use john martinez as our sales training every single week we're listening to videos and talking about something that he's uh, you know referenced in our training uh it follows the sandler method so if you've done that same thing um but you have to kind of really break down those barriers. It's much harder and it's a, it's a longer term because you call them up. They're like, well, I was thinking about selling maybe this summer, a lot more of those types of conversations uh, as opposed to they submitted the lead. They call you, Hey, I need to move to Cleveland next week. You know, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. All right, guys, sorry for the interruption, but I just want to really quick remind you that Flip Hacking Live this year is on October 15th, 16th, and 17th. It's going to be packed full of amazing real estate investors just dishing, telling you everything that they're doing in their market to be successful, to be profitable, to scale, just all of their secrets and and tactics and tricks that they're doing to be successful in their market. And because this is a virtual event, now we're going to bring this to you live in your home. You don't have to travel. All of the worries about traveling and COVID and are people going to be wearing masks? Are they going to try to shake my hand? Like how far are we going to sit apart? All of those fears, if you had them, are gone because we're going to bring it right to your house. So the 
fact that it's a virtual event, in my opinion, probably means we're gonna be able to make this even better. I'm gonna be speaking at the event. It's going to be amazing. We're gonna send out swag boxes. You're gonna get free stuff. It's just gonna be awesome. And right now, the tickets are so cheap. They're only $2.97. That price is gonna go up, and that's exactly why I'm interrupting this right now to tell you the price is going up soon. Go grab your tickets now. You can go to www.best.com realestateevent.com. That's a new URL. It's a little easier to remember, and I thought that would be helpful. So go to bestrealestateevent.com. If you go and get your tickets before the end of August, send me proof that you bought them before the end of August. I will enter you in a drawing for me to pay for your ticket. So this thing could even be free. It's a no-brainer, guys. The cost of the ticket is insanely low. It's not going to stay this low. Go grab it now or you will regret it because this is going to be an event like no other. So go grab your ticket. Go to bestrealestateevent.com and I hope to see you there. All right, let's get back to the interview. So you mentioned um, COVID. What have you had to change in your approach in the market? And by the way, how many markets are you in right now? Funny you should ask that. So we're in Colorado Springs and Pueblo, Colorado. But just yesterday, I actually purchased a uh, business that somebody had west of Philly at a couple counties there. So I live in York, Pennsylvania. My business is Colorado. We actually just purchased that business of their old database uh, after they shut down. So we are going to be opening up in a second market here right now. So hold on a second. Let me see if I get this straight. You just purchased another real estate investor's business so that you Correct. could get up and running faster in a new market for you. That's exactly right. Brilliant. I've never, it's, it's obviously happens in the world and other industries. I've never known anybody who bought somebody else's business so that they could ramp up faster. I love it. It makes nothing but sense. And I can't believe, I didn't even know that. And we just stumbled onto that. So I've got like a hundred thousand questions about that. But for a minute, let's go back. I want to, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm getting this answered. so people aren't going, wait a minute, you asked him a question. You didn't get the answer. What's changed with COVID-19 now? What do you, what, what kind of talk tracks or what kind of communication has changed in your business with the sellers or buyers for that matter? Yeah, excellent question. So, and it's a, it's a very different conversation with both. So with the sellers, we were getting a lot of these conversations where people were saying, oh, I want to wait and see what happens. Oh, I'm scared of people coming into my home. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of this disease. Oh, I'm going to, after it dies down, then I'll give you a call back. And, you know, I do want to sell, but I just want to wait a couple months, uh, you know, just because I'm scared. And the conversation that we had to have with them was, hey, completely understand. And every, every answer, it's always a softening statement, empathy, and then you come back with the authority of how you can solve that problem. And so we would break it down just like that. We'd say, completely understand why you'd be afraid of that. You know, we would too, and we're hearing that from a lot of people. Just so you know, right now, uh, and I'm, I'm butchering this a little bit, so I don't wanna, I'm, uh, please don't take this verbatim, but basically, you're scared. And you don't want to move forward right now. That said, we know what prices are right now. We know that we're still in the beginning of this and that we can offer you a solid you know, number for your home based off of comps that we, you know, that we have recently and maybe even from before Corona. Whereas if you wait a couple of months, we don't know what's going to happen. We, we can't predict the future. This could all go away tomorrow and we could all, you know, prices could, could rebound, but we don't know that. We just know what we can do now. So if you're, if I'm hearing you right, you really want to sell your house. And if you do want to sell your house, we can get you top dollar today. Whereas in a couple months, if you call us back, we don't know what that number is going to be or yeah. even if we're going to be able to help you. And it really progresses the conversations uh, and allows us to set that appointment for the AM much, much faster for our buyers. Really, the conversation is we just, again, same thing, acknowledging what's going on right now, uh, that prices are coming down and letting them know, hey, 
we feel you. We're doing everything we can to get you the rock bottom price. And we are. We are buying at deeper discounts and we're selling to them at deeper discounts and then providing those other services as well. So, you know, connecting with contractors, connecting with with lenders that are actually, go, actually able to close with them, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, it's smart. And I, I just want to emphasize, and I don't want this to be lost on anybody, the message that you're giving to these folks, especially the sellers, it's not this fear-based doom and gloom, scare the heck out of someone to try to snatch something out from underneath them. You're just telling them the truth. Right now, we have comps. Some of them are before Corona, some of them are not, but we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you might you might make out great and maybe your house rebounds and, and goes up in value. Maybe it doesn't. We don't know. So we can help you now in the future. We don't know what we're going to be able to do. It's a totally safe and, and uh, it's a totally fair comment uh, that's articulating the potential need to, to act without unnecessarily trying to to frighten them. So that's the distinction, right? I know there are people out there who are using the coronavirus to scare the holy heck out of people to try to get their houses from them. And um, that's, a, that's a technique, not one that I really endorse, but I like the way you're approaching it. It's just, it's just informational. It's fair. It's, it's just what it is, right? Thank that, you for emphasizing that. Yeah, for sure, man. I like, I talk about this all the time when I have people on, like, I love having good people on because I know I can ask them a question and they're not going to give me an answer that's like totally against my nature or the ethics of how I think, you know, maybe treat people. And you're no exception. I knew you'd have that kind of an answer. That's why I felt comfortable asking you that. But um, yeah, man, you just have to tell them what's happening and, and not try to scare them. So that's awesome. So are you guys still going out and closing? Are you closing over the phone everything or how, how does that look? Do you have acquisitions guys that are going out into the field? We, we've gone from about, I'd say, 90% closing in person to about 90% closing over the phone. Yeah. Um, and so all, all of our appointments now are the first appointment with our AM is set over the phone um, just to, you know, eliminate, you know, necessary appointments. There's a couple where if it is a certain situation, we will go out um, and make that appointment, but it, it hasn't happened very often at all. What we're really doing now is we do the exact same full sales call over the phone put the property under contract. And then we actually have uh, home inspectors who are, they're just acting as photographers at this point, they will go out uh, and we can arrange for the seller to not be there or be there, whatever they feel comfortable with. We'll wear masks, we'll wear gloves, you know, all that safety stuff. Sure. Uh, and then we just get full pictures of the property uh, and full video. And then we use that to base, you know, are we buying the property? Actually, we send every property out, even if we are going to buy it to our wholesalers list. Smart. Just because if we get a price that makes sense, smart. Hey, we'll absolutely sell it. We we yeah. may not buy it uh, even it. in the end. That's so smart. But, uh, that's it. So that's the only contact the person would have uh, at that point is with the seller. And now all the closings can even be done uh, virtually. They can be done in a parking lot. So very minimal contact. Yeah, that's that's super smart. I love that you said you send an actual investor out to the property, but they're just acting as a yeah. photographer. So. What I like about that, and maybe I'm I'm wrong about why you're doing it, but man, what I see about that is they may be just be a photographer, but they're not an uninformed photographer. They're taking pictures of what they know to be potential issues that you need to know mm -hmm. about, right? So here's the difference, guys. And I know people out there send, uh, we go look. I know people have sent people, you know, that kind of a, a service out or just send out somebody else that can just take pictures. They're just taking pictures. They may be missing the real critical things that you need to be aware of, you send uh, an inspector out just to take pictures. Mm -hmm. They're taking educated pictures. And that is 
that's I mean that's a gold bomb right there, Darren. I'm telling you, that's I never I've never even thought of doing that. It doesn't even enter my brain. But sending that guy out, that's brilliant, mm-hmm. man. Jesus. Okay. So it let's works great. and he gives us a list of things as well. So it's like, not like an official inspection report, yeah. but he'll type up an email with, Hey, I saw this, or if he sees a rotten bean, he makes sure to get those pictures. All right. If you don't mind my asking, and you can say you're not comfortable, it's fine. But normally an inspector, full on inspections, you know, three to three fifty, something like that, hundred dollars. What do you what does he charge to go out and just take pictures and give you the informal list? It's if it's uh, pictures and the list, it's a hundred bucks. If he gets me a video as well, it's one hundred and fifty. Okay, well, well worth it because that informal mm-hmm. list that you're getting could be humongous for you. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously save you a lot of, of heartache down the road. I love that. It's a, that's a great tip. Great, great tip. So let's go back to this little nugget you dropped earlier, which blew my mind. You bought someone's business in another city so that you could start up operations there right off the bat. Now, I know you said you bought the database. I get that. That makes sense. Was there anything else that you got in that purchase or were you just purchase a database so that you kind of had that info going forward? It, it's everything. So they had built four years of a successful, good reputation business. And so there's Google reviews. There's a Facebook page. There's the Podio database uh, that goes along with that, which is super easy. They can just transfer the entire workspace over. They've done that already. Uh, It works really well. And then um, there's the calling numbers that they had. There's, oh, I have a whole list. There there was about 10 or 11 things uh, that go along with it. So it's just everything you could think of from a business that you need to get it uh, started from reputation and data, and away we go. So we're going to take that, uh, plug in the, um, plug those numbers into our callers, and that's it. They're going to start cold calling. We're going to start marketing. Um, we do we do some text marketing as well. And then we do uh, a bird dog program um, that we're going to kick off. So we're starting with lower cost uh, things that we can kind of uh, hit this area with just to get our feet wet and go from there. This blows my mind. So, you, okay. So you bought this business. couple questions. How did you know they were selling? How did you find them? Uh, they, they actually approached me. So it was somebody that I had, had known already and okay. uh, she'd, she'd run a great business and just uh, decided to go and she had some other opportunities and real estate, just uh, the way it was working, you know, wasn't uh, her passion anymore. And that was it. So maybe she, she knew me, knew it was somebody that ran a, and not to pat myself on the back, but ran a, like an ethical, respectable business that yeah. she wouldn't mind connecting with her investors, connecting with her title company, to stand in and you know do the right thing and that was important to her was even more so than the money you know getting from that just to see what she had built uh, continue to grow and be run in a way that that she would uh, was ethical yeah in line with the way she ran her business so yes. this was a prior relationship somebody you already knew you didn't go out to like an agency or like a service or some kind and find a business for sale um okay i, I know you probably can't tell me what you sold it for i'm not going to be that crude but did you do like an all cash sale? Is it a finance thing? Do you paying her over time? I'm just curious how somebody might structure something like that. Sure. I, I wanted to, uh, and this was honestly her proposal, not mine, but I, I like the way it works out and I'd recommend it to somebody. If you are buying it, having some cash up front so that you're invested in the deal if you're purchasing, but there are things that need to be done after the sale um, and having the, the seller have a little bit of a vested interest uh, is important. And so in this case, there was, it was cash up front, but then also every lead that we close from her database, uh, she will receive, uh, you know, an amount of money from all those closed deals. 
and so helping us get it set up. And then also she had a relationship with a marketing company um, that was paying for part of the advertising, and so getting a percentage as well. Again, it just she's the type of person that would have helped us, you know, either way on this, so that it wasn't even necessary. But I would recommend other people doing that just to make sure that that person who's mm-hmm. selling it to you doesn't just say, "Oh." I got my check, hot potato, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, totally. That makes sense. That's awesome. That's super cool. And uh, man, Darren, that's really smart too. Like how, how better to get ramped up than to just take, you know, not take over, but purchase, acquire an existing business, especially if you know, you know, you really have vetted her out or you just know her over time, you know what kind of person she is. Having that reputable business that you're taking over, that's huge. I mean, you t- people ask all the time. I'm sure you've been asked, like, how do you break into a new market? I'm not saying this is the, the like this is always something available, but wow, at least investigating that option. That's pretty cool. I like that a lot. We're, we're pretty excited. My team's pretty excited. Uh, the main thing that allowed us to do this was we've built, you know, we have a, a great team we've built over the last year. So we already had a lot of the pieces in place. I'll be honest, the last 60 days made this a no-brainer even more so because of what we've been able to do by moving so much online, moving so much virtually. Yeah. It was like this was easy. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a trend too. It just other industries too. People are going to, they're going through this forced quarantine, forced work from home. I think it's going to open up the eyes of a lot of businesses of another way to conduct business that maybe is more efficient, more profitable, which makes more sense. So the company that you bought, do they have employees that you're keeping on or was it there no employees? No, this was a company that had been shut down uh, since last year. Oh, okay. So it was, okay. So it wasn't currently operating. I got you. Okay. Correct. Okay. I mean, that's sort of good too, right? Like you, you have your team and like you said, everything's remote. So you can, you have an infrastructure you can feed into. You're just, you're plugging in something that's already, already works, man. That's smart. That is so smart, dude. So what, what's next for you? I know you're opening a new market that's next, but what are you seeing a couple of years down the road? Like, are you trying to scale way up and two, three million, four million, five million dollars, or are you trying to hit up an area that you're comfortable and maintain? Like, what is your, where you're at right now? Where's your head? Now, excellent question. Uh, to be honest, until uh, a couple of days ago when this person reached out to me, I wasn't even thinking of, I was thinking of maybe growing my market, expanding. I'm in Springs and Pueblo, expanding to Denver, something a little more uh, organically that way. Yeah. Um, so this was an opportunity that just presented itself and, and I was very happy to take advantage of it, but uh, not looking to scale in a huge way. I can see bringing on, it's going to take a couple more people, another acquisition manager or two and, and a lead manager because, you know, to handle this kind of volume. Um, maybe transaction, but it's just a few people. Where I really see this going and, and what I think a lot of investors strive for eventually is wholesaling and flipping is very transactional. And so uh, all those those deals when you have up and down markets, yeah, you can have a long runway, which is nice, uh, but it's still you rely on that income to, to sustain. So more buy and hold is really the direction that I'm going. Um, and while I have a few houses, my my strategy with that is more commercial. And so I've got into warehouse and uh, manufacturing investing over, I've been trying to ramp that up over the last two years. I made my first purchase last year on a, a really nice warehouse that I love, great tenant. And so that's a long-term buy and hold. And so I'm actually cold calling for commercial as well right now. I have a full-time guy doing that. He, I, I, pull, I got all the data, he researches it, calls them, sets the appointments for me. Um, and then I go out and call the seller and meet up. So that's my long-term goal is to flush out these two markets as much as possible. You know, you, you always say that's going to be it. You don't see yourself growing. Maybe, maybe we'll go somewhere else. <laughs> I got a super ambitious um, the, the acquisition manager uh, that, that works with me. And I say that he, he does so many things in my business. So, uh, you know, to, to pigeonhole in that category is, is not a fair statement because he, he does a lot to help grow it. Um, but he's super excited about growing and going other areas. So it, it could scale up from there. Um, we definitely 
when you have the right people in place, it gets much easier to do. And so that's yeah. why I, I won't say no, because you never know what's going to happen. Totally. You know, it's funny with everything that's happening in the world right now, my two cents or my, you know, armchair prediction here is I foresee office space being difficult. Like I see, you know, mm -hmm. I think people are going to, there's going to be some transition going on and people going, why are we paying all this office overhead? We just worked <laughs> from home for 60 days or 90 days and we didn't miss a beat. So I think that's going to suffer. Now, warehouse, totally different. I think warehouses mm -hmm. and that kind of space storage mm -hmm. is going to be huge because maybe more people not comfortable going into the store. They want to order online, right? So that means online retailers are going to need more space. And I think that's going to feed right into your to your plan nicely. And, and frankly, for that matter, whenever there's any kind of an economic hardship, economic downturn, rentals become more of a thing. So I think that buy and hold strategy, I, I'm doing the same thing. I think that buy and hold strategy is smart. People get a little concerned about job security. They're a little less comfortable buying houses, businesses, or I should say banks get a little bit more stringent. And next thing you know, rental properties are are booming because that's where people want to be. So dude, I knew you were smart. I knew you were a great investor. You're you're smarter than I thought you like, you're even smarter than I thought you were <laughs> doing some cool stuff, man. You, you seem Thank to you, have, man. you seem to have uh, a clear focus, uh, sound logic and a strong game plan. Like those three things you will be successful. I mean, you are already successful, but you will continue to be successful. Um, love hanging out with you, dude. I, I, I love this chance to catch up and talk to you. You were generous enough to hop on here and give me some of your time. I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate that. Uh, before we go, I know you mentioned uh, if there's anybody who is in Colorado area or in Pennsylvania and you're in your markets, is there, what, how can they get a hold of you and, and what, what does that look like? Yeah. Happy to reach out if they want to email me. It's uh, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at sellmyhousetosmith.com. And happy to shoot me an email. I'd be happy to get together. And, and Mike, I want to put a little caveat on what you said. So thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. Um, but I have to give a lot of credit to, and almost all of the credit for what I've done to one, my team, uh, first and foremost, but two, being in a mastermind. Uh, I've, I, I wouldn't be where I, I am without that by any stretch. And you know, just the things you learn from them, the, the information you get from, from all the different markets, uh, the strategies try, the marketing. But right now, I've said this several times in the last couple of months, I have never been more thankful to be in a mastermind than right now because this is scary as crap out there and it really could be um, if we didn't have people working together and all these smart minds in one room uh, figuring it out. And I've been able to go forward with you know confidence and being, I mean, we're, we're pouring more into marketing than we ever have and building more than we ever have. And it's only because of that that gives me the confidence to do that and the knowledge. So I want to defer some of that to praise you put on me and, and give it to where it truly belongs. Yeah, it's a great point. And thanks uh, for pointing that out. I, I totally agree. I think masterminds, some people look at it as an expense. Some people look at it as, well, I can't afford it or whatever. I mean, it's a lifeline. Like, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're on the Titanic, what would you, what would you be willing to invest in a raft? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not saying we're on the Titanic. I'm not, it's not that doom and gloom, but when things get challenging, when things get tough, when life throws a curveball at your business, 
like having that support, having that um, access to information and people, like it's it's invaluable, and it's a it's a life support, and it's a it's a light it's a raft in the ocean for for a lot of us. So, yeah, good point, good point, but uh, still well deserved uh, praise. You're a smart guy running a smart business in a smart way, and uh, I love love talking to you. I love seeing you uh, every three or four months that we see each other, and keep up the good work, man. I, I appreciate you, your time today. Thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate you having me on. All right, man. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that. I really like talking to Darren. He's a good guy. I get to see him about every three or four months or so because of the mastermind that we're in. And every time I do, I tell you, one thing that I always take away from when I talk to Darren, forget the fact that he's a smart real estate investor, forget all that. What I always take away is his positive energy. He's just a really positive guy. And he has up and downs in his business. He's had them. He talked about it on the show. Nothing goes perfectly for everyone all the time, but Darren is always positive. He's always uh, an inspiring, positive, confident, just a light. And I love that about him. He's a good guy and he's a good investor. And I, I really hope that came through loud and clear to you guys on this episode because I like him. He's a good dude. So hopefully you got something out of that. Darren is buying houses and, and doing deals in other cities. And uh, like he, he revealed on the show today, I never knew this and I've known him for a long time, that he recently bought an existing real estate investing company so that he could hit the ground running in a new market. So uh, there you go. Uh, that is absolutely cool and it was fun to listen to. So if you want to do that, if you want to invest in other cities, if you want to do remote investing, you can do it. It's out there. It's possible. We're, we're kind of laying out the blueprint for you right here on the show. But you have to get out there and just start. So get out there and just start, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Make today great.